0: This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. I don't know about you, but I love when we gather together. You know, Sundays, gathering together is one of my highlights of my week. I love it when we gather together because here we are in this room in Burnley, Lancashire, and we are so many different people from so many different walks of life, different countries, different experiences, different situations, and yet here we are. What would bring this bunch of people together? Exactly, we're gathered, aren't we, around the person of Jesus. He's who unites us in our desire to live a life that follows him. And so what better place could we be? What better bunch of people could we be with than people who want to follow Jesus? And that is what we are looking at this morning. That's what this series, Rhythm, is all about. And maybe maybe you're new to this community and you're trying to work out, do I want to follow Jesus? Well, this is a great place to discover that, to find out, to ask that question. So if you're new to this community, you are very, very welcome today. As we continue with this series, Rhythm. This series is all about what does it look like to live out life with Jesus? What does following Jesus look like? What are the healthy habits? What are the behaviors? What are the rhythms of a Christian? And um, for me, when I was a little girl, my parents used to um, take us out on walks. And um, this was before daily walks became a trend, And probably like most other children, I didn't want to go. And um, sometimes it was OK. We'd find like a rope swing or a load of mud, which is just always fun when you're a kid. But sometimes it was a bit boring. And what often happened is about three-quarters of the way through the walk, the little walk, um, I found my legs were really starting to ache. And um, I would say to my parents, probably in hindsight in quite a whiny tone, but I'm letting myself off because I was like eight or nine. My legs are aching. I can't go any further. How much longer? Thank you. Come on, bring the sympathy. I'm appreciating that. And um, and, um, and, and I distinctly remember multiple times I had this conversation with my dad about what I've come to remember as TikTok legs. Now, bear with me. This is before TikTok was a social media platform, so it's a different context. Okay, just go back a few decades. And what my dad was, it was, yeah, even it was before social media, there was life before social media. But what my dad used to say to me was, he used to say, when you get tired and when you think you can't go on, imagine that your legs are like the arms of a clock. And what does a clock do? It goes tick, tock, tick, tock. There's a rhythm, isn't there? Tick, tock. And after the tick comes the tock then the tick, then the tock. And honestly, parents, I'll give you this for free, it worked. Because there was something about the rhythm that sustained me. Because one leg went forward, tick, and the other one was coming behind. Because what comes behind the tick, the tock. Tick, tock, tick. And tick, tock legs got me through the last quarter of many, many walks. And you know what? I've been reflecting on that, that that's so true about rhythms. That rhythms are so powerful that it was the constant rhythm that sustained me. And I think that's true of the rhythms that we put in place in our Christian walk. That these rhythms, they sustain us when the path ahead looks long. That they sustain us when the path ahead gets rocky. And not only that, what would happen is because they, you know, I, I had to walk it. I couldn't get on my dad's shoulders because I was too big by that point. Or, you know, they didn't just pick me up and magic me to the car. I had to push through that last quarter of the walk with the, the tick-tock legs propelling me forward. That meant that next time we came for a short walk, my legs were stronger, and I built up strength and stamina. And so. As the rhythm sustained me, it also strengthened me for the next time. It strengthened me for the next time that the path was long or the next time the path got rocky. And as we continue through this series about rhythms, what are the rhythms in our Christian walk? What are the healthy habits? What are the behaviors? I want, to have that in, I want us to have that in mind, that these rhythms, they sustain us when the path seems long. That they sustain us when the path gets rocky and then they strengthen us for the next time we come up against a rocky path. Or the next time we think, I'm not sure if I can keep going. So this morning, with that in mind, this morning the rhythm, the Christian rhythm that we're going to look at is giving. The Christian rhythm we're going to look at this morning is giving. And so what I want to do this morning as we look at this idea of giving financially to God and to his people. What I want us to do is we're going to have a whistle-stop tour of giving through scripture. Then we're going to consider four principles that we can learn from that. Then we're going to get practical with what does this mean for us today with four do's and four don'ts of giving. And then we'll be ready to go to work tomorrow morning because that's about approximately how long I'm going to take. I'm joking. I am joking. I am actually joking. And if I do, it's bank holidays tomorrow anyway. So, But are we up for that? Are you with me this morning? Fantastic. Well, let's start with the whistletop tour of giving throughout Scripture. So in the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 2 Chronicles and Nehemiah, The people of God gave a tenth of their produce to God. So this would be their grain, their soil, their fruit, their livestock, whatever it was that they produced. They would give a tenth to God. And it was known as a tithe, which means tenth. See what they did there. And it was was understood that this tenth, the, the first tenth, it belonged to God. That it was set apart for him. And practically, the, the tithes were used for the priests, for their livelihood. It was given to the priests for their day-to-day living because they'd, they'd sacrificed the, the um, herding. You know, they, they weren't growing fruit. They weren't producing grain. They weren't herding cattle. They'd, they'd sacrificed the normal way of, of providing for themselves and their family. And so the tithe was used to support them. It was also used for their inheritance because unlike the other tribes, the priests, the Levites, didn't have any land allotted to them as their inheritance. And so their inheritance was in in the tithe. It made sure that they and their families were provided for the tithe was also given to those who couldn't provide for themselves for other reasons those who were perhaps financially vulnerable so specifically the foreigners and the fatherless and the widows within that society and they also throughout the old testament were also they were instructed to bring their tithes as a community as part of their worship It was an overflow and it was an expression of worship and they enjoyed their tithes, so the grain or the fruit or the livestock, they enjoyed it together as a community before God. It was like the whole process was a joyful declaration that God was their provider. And when we fast forward to to the New Testament, when we we reach the New Testament, Jesus himself refers to this, this practice of tithing in Matthew and in Luke. And he comments on the Pharisees tithing. He says, they're giving a tenth of their herbs and their spices. But he doesn't say it to spotlight them. He says it to critique them. He says they're doing that but that they are, Scripture tells us, omitting the serious matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and loyalty. If they were tempted to think, look at me, I'm how generous I am, Jesus' critique is that their tithing but they are omitting the really important matters of the law, they they say, look, I'm I'm, I'm doing what I should, but you're missing what you should do. The matters of, of loyalty, of justice, of mercy. One translation says, you have sidestepped justice. I don't know about you, but I never wanna hear Jesus say that to me. You have sidestepped justice. And so Jesus' instruction isn't one or the other, it's both. He says, you should practice the latter, justice, mercy, and loyalty, without neglecting the former, giving. So then when we reach the early church in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, we have this beautiful picture where the church gave what they had so that everyone could be provided for, that they they gave what they had so that the needs of this fledgling community could be met. It tells us all the believers were together together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And then finally, in Paul's letters, in the last section of the New Testament, Paul commends churches, he commends the Macedonian church for their giving. They gave to support Paul as he ministered to the churches. And he he honours them that they gave despite their severe trial. We find that in 2 Corinthians. So herein lies the end of our whistle-stop tour of giving throughout the Bible. It's not exhaustive, it's an overview. But what I want to do is draw some principles from that. What can we draw as we look at that? What can we learn about giving? The first one is that giving facilitates ministry. That giving facilitates ministry. It supported the Levites who served as the priests so that they could be provided for because they'd sacrificed the other ways of living, in, which would have meant they could have provided for themselves. And it facilitated them to serve the community and to minister to the community. Giving facilitates ministry, it ensured that they were provided for. We see that in the New Testament. With Paul, it facilitated Paul's ministry to the churches. And here at Life Church, our giving facilitates ministry. It facilitates our ministry to children and young people in schools throughout the week, on on Friday nights, I think we've got an image from one of our Friday nights, on Sunday mornings, giving. Facilitates ministry here at Life Church. In the way that we minister to adults in our small groups, the way that we serve in the women's refuge, that we reach out to asylum seekers, it facilitates our Sunday gatherings. And you know what? I've had countless conversations of people who've walked through these doors for the first time and have been overwhelmed to the point of tears as God ministers to them in this place and in this community. And it's our giving that facilitates that. Our giving facilitates the ministry of Pays, reaching out to schools with, through our partnership with them, reaching out to schools across England and Northern Ireland. Through our giving, we make that possible. Because giving facilitates ministry. That's principle number one. Are you still with me? Principle number two, giving is a matter of justice. Giving is a matter of justice. It plays a part in putting things right. Because there are things in this world that are not as they should be. There are things in this world that are not in line with God's intention or his plan for creation. And justice Is when those things are put right. And so giving is a matter of justice. It plays a part in putting things right when they're not as they should be. You know, it protected the vulnerable, the foreigners, the orphans, the widows, who within their society, because of how the society was constructed, were at risk. They were vulnerable. They couldn't provide for themselves. And so the giving provided for them it was a matter of justice it put right something that was wrong and that's true of our giving here at life church that our giving is a matter of justice you know we every year we fund the education of 60 primary school children in pakistan who would otherwise have no education who would otherwise be limited, wouldn't have an opportunity to move on to secondary education, who would otherwise, it would change the trajectory of their family life because in Pakistan, the education is not provided for like we perhaps take for granted in this country. And so as we give, we fund that. So every year, pupils... Uh, graduate from the school, being able to read and write, no longer sidelined, no longer limited from opportunity, but able to progress to more opportunities of education. It's putting right, right that which is wrong. Because giving is a matter of justice. It's because of Life Church and our giving and our generosity that the community grocery here in Burnley has been possible. We're one and a half weeks in and we have over almost 500 members. And we've had countless customers in tears because they no longer have to choose between eating or heating. It's a matter of justice. You know, parents who now can consider I can eat as well as my children. It doesn't my solution doesn't have to be I'll go hungry so that the kids can eat. Because giving is a matter of justice. It puts right that which is wrong. That's our second principle that we can draw from the overview of giving throughout scripture. The third one is that giving is a recognition of our shared responsibility. Giving is a recognition of our shared responsibility. You know, the early church, they shared what they had and gave to whoever was in need within the community. They didn't see it as mine, but ours. It wasn't mine and what I have. It was ours for whoever was in need, They took responsibility. They contributed to the needs of the community. They didn't leave it to someone else, but they each played their part. They understood that their contribution to the community was financial as well as relational, practical, and spiritual. Giving is a recognition of our shared responsibility. And number four, giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. You know, a life of worship is a life that surrenders to Jesus and makes him king. Makes him king in every area of our life. And giving is an expression of that. It's a declaration that if he's my king, I trust in him for all that I need. And so I'm released to be generous because God is my provider. And that, that as we give, it's a recognition, it's a thanks to God that you are my provider. It's a declaration of faith that I can trust in him. It's an expression of relationship. And it's a declaration It's that declaration of faith, and it's a declaration of thanksgiving. God, I thank you, and I honor you, that you are the source of all that I have. And that's the picture we see in the Old Testament, that they got together, that they enjoyed the tithe, that it was an act of celebration and joy before God. So those are our four principles of giving that I think we can draw from the the overview of giving in Scripture. So let's get practical. What does this mean for us today? Four do's and four don'ts. The first, do you like the, you like the symmetry that everything's got a four? Yeah. I thought some people would appreciate that. The first do, do give regularly. Now for some people that's weekly or monthly, depending on how your finances work. I think what does the, what is, what is the voice of scripture and the principles we see about giving mean to us today? It means give regularly. Standing orders are a really helpful way to do this because it, it, it's a rhythm. You know, it's a rhythm that's displayed in our bank statement week after week or, or month after month. And that, that's regular, isn't it? Regular is a rhythm. And rhythms sustain us and they strengthen us. And we are fully aware that, I'm fully aware that we're talking about giving when there is a lot of financial anxiety in our society right now. I'm not oblivious to that, because I read the news. And, um, and this morning, in a, a little bit later, we're going to have an opportunity, particularly if that is weighing on you this morning, to bring that to God, to bring that anxiety to God. But when giving is, is regular in our lives, it's a rhythm. And when things get difficult, it's almost like we've built up the muscle memory so it, gives, it sustains us and it strengthens us to continue that rhythm through the challenging times, to continue that rhythm when things get tough. Do give regularly. Secondly, do give generously. Do give generously. You know, we see in Scripture. And, and in our lives, that we're called to give generously because we're made in the image of a generous God. We're made in the image of the generous God. In generos- the generosity of God is right at the heart of the gospel, it's right at the heart of the good news about Jesus. And this morning in Life Kids, they're learning that God is generous. I, I just love that, that my children this morning are learning that God is generous because that's who he is. And so that's who we're commissioned to be. And they're learning about John three sixteen, which is right at the heart of the gospel that says, because God so loved the world, he gave. Because God is a generous God. And as we're made in his image, we're made to reflect that. Because God so loves the world, he gave. He gave everything. He gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have life eternal. He held nothing back. A generous God poured all things out. And that's who we are to reflect. And for me, growing up, the concept of a tithe was helpful. The concept of 10% for me was helpful because it helped me to understand that Christian giving is meant to be generous. That it's not like I'm tipping God at the end of the week for like, thanks God, it's been a good one. Here's, here's you know, a little bit. But actually that Christian giving is meant to be generous. And um. When I was about 14, 15, I had a job as a cleaner, and um, I cleaned a house, um, and it took about two hours, and I got 10 pounds, which now seems like un- underpay, but it was like 20-something years ago. Um, And so I'd get my £10 note on a Saturday, and I would make sure that I broke into my £10 note before I went to church on a Sunday, because I wanted to be ready to put my little £1 coin in the basket when it came along the row. Now, I'm pretty sure the treasurer was like, one pound here, one pound there, we're going to be all right either way. But... What it did for me is it built in me a habit of whatever comes in, I'm gonna make sure something that, that a good percentage, 10%, and since then I've chosen I'm gonna go above 10% because I wanna be generous, goes to God. That's what happens first and foremost. And, and as I've done that, I, we have always seen God provide for us. And we've never gone without as we've given to God first in a way that is regular and generous. And um, if you're a young person, maybe you're in the room, maybe you're on, um, in the yellow room or watching the live stream, I would just encourage you, you can never be too young to get this habit of giving into your life. This habit of giving into your life. And um, if you find yourself with a Saturday job or, or whatever that looks like, I would encourage you to think about it because I am so grateful that my parents helped me understand that and modeled that for me. I weigh it up against taking me on all those walks. Overall, they did a pretty good job because it meant when I became an adult and when I got a, you know, like more than 10 pounds a week, when I got a full salary, it, it did, in a sense, it wasn't a sacrifice because it was built into me as a rhythm in my childhood. And so I would encourage you, young people, you are never too young to start that rhythm and that habit. So the third do is do give sacrificially, because it is the Jesus way. Jesus modeled a life of sacrifice, and as followers of Jesus, we are meant to walk the same path. But for me, this quote helps me understand What should we sacrifice? So, this is a quote from Tan Su Hao, author and pastor Be radical, but not reckless. Sacrifice luxury, not living. So, I'm not suggesting that we should sacrifice eating in order to give. But there is something healthy, there is something liberating, there is something empowering when we sacrifice something of luxury in order to give, in order to give to God and His purposes. So, we're We should be radical, but not reckless. And we should sacrifice luxury, not living, when we think about giving sacrificially. And the fourth do of giving is do give joyfully. Do give joyfully because it's an act of worship and worship should have a smile on. Giving is an act of worship and worship should have a smile on. In 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7. It, Paul says, "Each one should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver." And I just love that image that when I, when I respond to His generosity by in turn being generous, that it brings joy to God's heart. And so that makes me want to do it not reluctantly or grudgingly, but joyfully. So we give regularly, generously, sacrificially and joyfully. Are you ready for the four don'ts? Okay, here we go. Don't give what you don't have. So we would never advocate going into debt in order to give. We can only give from what we have. And so that's another reason to be diligent with our resources so we can be in a position to be free to give. And you know, maybe for some of us, maybe, maybe your finances feel out of control and you're actually drowning in debt. Well, I would encourage you that Cap Burnley, Christians Against Poverty Burnley, can, um, is set up to help people in your situation. It's set up to help people put together a manageable plan so you can take control and work your way out of that to a place of financial freedom. So we should never give out of what we do not have, but if we find ourselves in a situation where we're we're struggling and we're drowning with debt, please get help, because we don't want you to be held by that any longer. The second don't of giving is don't give out of obligation. Don't give out of obligation. remember about 15 years ago, I watched this film, um, and it was a comedy, and there was this one scene that has stuck in my mind for 15 years, and it was a couple who were arguing about the housework. And um, in this scene, the um, wife said to the husband, I want you to want to wash up. Not I want you to wash up. Did you catch it? I want you to want to wash up. Now that's not stuck in my, my husband does his fair share of the washing up. I just want to, I just want to like get that out there. That's not, that's not the reason I have remembered it for 15 years, but that it says something about relationship, doesn't it? It says something about relationship, about how love is expressed. That it's not just the washing up, It's the desire to wash up, to give, and to bless others. That's how love is expressed in relationships. So it's not just giving financially out of obligation because someone said, I have to do this. But it's the desire to give with a joyful heart as an act of worship, as my contribution to what God is doing. It's It's not just doing it, it's wanting to do it. And so if you find yourself in that situation actually, this has become an obligation. My recommendation is to look inwards. It's not to be like, right, I don't have to do it anymore. Brian said, don't give out of obligation. I was given out of obligation. That changes things. I would, I would encourage you, the better thing is to live out this Christian rhythm from your heart. And so I'd encourage you to reflect on that, that it's something that flows out of a living, vibrant relationship with him. The third don't is don't give for approval. You know, because there is nothing that you can do to earn the approval or the acceptance of God. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved. It's by God's free kindness that you are welcomed in to his family and restored into relationship with him now and forever. He goes on to say, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, not by giving, but so that no one can boast. You know, we don't give to earn God's approval or to earn our place in this community. But our giving should flow from the joy of knowing God and the joy of being part of this community, knowing that you are welcome here before you are able to give anything we don't give for approval because that we already have the fourth don't is don't give but neglect justice this is so key in the heart of scripture we mustn't give and then turn a blind eye to the matters of justice giving is one of the ways that we put things right but we must act in other ways to make things right, to bring things in line with how God intended them to be. And God's desire and intention for creation. And now if you're a really kind of over-diligent person and you're like, right, so I've got to give and I've got to put all the world's wrongs right. It's a pretty big to-do list for this week. How do I do this? Let me encourage you that no one person can do everything. So if you've just like felt a big weight land on you, just lift that off. Because no one person can do everything, but when everyone does something, things begin to change. So we give and address the matters of justice together as a community. So, how do we respond to this this morning? How do we respond to this this morning? Well, I want to say that if Life Church is your home, then why not reflect on how you give? Why not ask yourself, am I giving regularly, generously, sacrificially, and joyfully? You know, maybe it's a conversation to have with members of your family, you know, spouses, for people you, you share finances with. So we're in agreement on how we're going to move forward. You know, perhaps look at, how, how, where am I right now? Because as, as with most things with our money, sometimes it just, it just happens, doesn't it? And we kind of don't realize, it's the end of the month and I'm not sure what happened. Why not reflect on where am I now in my giving? And where might God be prompting me to be? Or where do I want to be? What would generously, regularly, sacrificially and joyfully look like for me? And maybe there's a gap between those things. And maybe you think, oh, you know what, I'm just, it's, just, it's quite a small gap, I can take that step, I want to take that step, and so I'm going to take that step. Maybe, the step. maybe the gap feels a bit bigger. And maybe, like most things, when you're trying to get somewhere, you need to break it down into steps. Maybe it's a, a decision for you or uh, your family of, right now we're here, and we want to be there. And so we're going to take some steps. And at some point down the road, we're going to take another step. My challenge to us, if, if we consider Life Church our home and we want to follow Jesus in this rhythm of Christian giving, giving, is to reflect this week on where we are and where we want to be, where God might be prompting us to be, and consider how can we get there. And this morning, there are the uh, reception is available if you want to know practically how to do that. We've got, we do have a webpage, LifeLis forward/giving. And at reception, there are standing order forms, there's bank details, there's gift aid forms. If you want to take a practical step this morning, then that's available for you. But just as the band come and join us, I also want to um, take a few moments to give us an opportunity to respond. If, if, there are, if we are finding ourselves um, struggling with financial anxiety because of the society we find ourselves in. Because we, we're seeing prices rise. And um, the newspapers seem to be talking about it all the time. And so there may be some of us who actually are in really difficult financial situations. And there may be some of us who actually aren't in difficult financial situations, but like anxiety is creeping in because everywhere we see, everywhere we look, we're hearing these headlines. That it's going to get worse and it's going to get harder. And I want us to have an opportunity to bring that to God this morning. Because here's what God says about anxiety. We see this through Paul. In the book of Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, every situation, in my finances, in Burnley, in 2022, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And here's the wonderful promise, when we bring that to God, when we, when we release that to God, it says that in the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That sounds good, doesn't it? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media or our website lifelanks.org. Life Church, impacting our name.